Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. Hey, it's your old pal Fitzy from Six Rings and Football Things. This NFL offseason, no days off. In fact, we can fit 25 hours in a day. That's because podcasts make you more productive. When you're folding laundry, paying bills, making omelets, or any other task you got to get done, listen while you work. Do your chores, do your job, and be entertained at the same time. It's all about the New England Patriots, the news, insight, analysis, and laughs on demand so it fits into your busy schedule. Follow Six Rings and Football Things in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Dread it. Run from it. Your destiny awaits all the same. A marquee electric week five matchup at the razor between the offensively inept, defensively capable New Orleans Saints and the offensively inept, defensively capable, but also kind of injury riddled new england patriots on cbs kevin harlan on the call plug in heart let's ride i mean this is gonna be something it's it's a football game and we're gonna talk about it for a couple minutes better or worse than the jets game will this game be honestly i i all right all right hey it's the six rings and football things pat saints preview week five Today, we'll preview the game for you. FanDuel Sportsbook, bet of the week. Thank you, as always, to our sponsor, FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. Hart and I will have our wages later. We're more up than down, more plus than minus on the season, so you'll want to stay tuned for that. Then in the back half, Hat has a chat with uh, Andrew Callahan, our buddy from the Boston Herald, uh, as I've come to know the uh, newspaper and publication he works for. A quality chat talking about could this be a season in the balance, a lost season. What's going on with Mac and Bill and so much more. So we thank Andrew for his insight. I think you guys will really enjoy that. Tomorrow on the pod, we speak with our old pal, uh, former Patriots uh, coverage guy himself, Nick Underhill, who's now crushing it down in New Orleans for his website. Uh, think of uh, think of it as a Boston sports journal that has fun. It's neworleans.football. So we'll have our behind enemy lines preview tomorrow with Nick Underhill. Uh, but Hart, we steer into this one right now. One and three, the Saints. Are the Saints, what are the Saints? Two and two on the season? I didn't even bother yes. looking. Yeah. Two so, and two. Yep. 
Uh, they lost last Sunday, 26 to nine, 26 niner, uh, with a dinged up Derek Carr at home against uh, Baker Mayfield and the suddenly hot surging Tampa Bay Buccaneers who have at three and one somehow seized control of the NFC South must be nice. Of course, it must also be nice to actually have like elite receivers, uh, a defense that's healthy, a quarterback that can make throws on the run. Um, I'll take Bill Belichick over any of their coaches, but uh, yeah, I mean, Todd, if you don't think Belichick's better than Todd Bowles, I'm not sure how much else we have to talk about right now. (laughs) All right. Stop it. I see what you're trying to do. I'm just not watching. Can't see the smirk on Hart's face. Don't fall for the bait. Don't take the little meat hanging out, the little cookie on top of the trap. Don't do it. What have you done for me lately? Well, he hasn't hasn't done much, although he'd like to tell you that what you have to look forward to and reasons to take heart in the season ahead are the first three games. You know, where the Patriots lost two of the games and then beat a very mediocre team in the rain by five and almost lost on a Hail Mary. By a They're, fingertip uh, a Randall tip. Cobb. But lost by they uh, lost by they won by a cob tipper a cob yep. tipper after the cob flop there was a lot of cob there a lot of cob I've, we've all been taking the cob <laughs> like easy we've all been easy cob. easy we're not all doing right. that so basically, family program thinking about this one previewing this game heart um right now uh the current spread and again we'll get to our bet in a couple of minutes but the current spread it opened at Patriots plus one and a half and I think on last Sunday six rings and six rings post game show I said what business do the Patriots have being a favorite over anyone at this point, given their health and the history, the short history of their play this season. And then when you look back to last season, which this season sadly kind of mirrors thus far, well, turns out that the sharps, Vegas, the books, etc., caught wind of what we were talking about. Cause it has shifted from Patriots minus one and a half to Patriots getting a point. They are a dog at home. Again, three home games on the young season, Three games where they are a dog. I mean, how many different slings and arrows must Robert Kraft suffer before he speaks out with great rage and furious anger? You're a dog at home, not to the Eagles, not to the Dolphins. You're a dog at home to a Saints team that got blown out by Baker Mayfield's Bucks last week. That's who you're a dog to. Now, some of it with a one armed quarterback, a one armed quarterback. I think some of it is a balancing of the money here. The, the, the Patriots are toxic right now. I don't think anybody wants to bet on the Patriots. Like, it's just not. So I think there's a little bit of that. But also, you earned it. You got embarrassed on national TV. You, you're you're questioning your quarterback. You're questioning your coach. You're questioning your future. Sad part is, if you look at what the Saints did last week, one of the strangest teams you will ever see. Alvin Kamara had 13 catches, averaging 2.5 yards per catch. 13 that's a, that, catches. That's, that's a Ramondre. I, yeah. I, I'd almost rather the Patriots mimic what the Saints tried to do last week because Derek Carr with his, what is it, the AC joint sprain, yep. I believe it is. Yeah, that's yep. supposedly pretty pretty painful. Uh, I I almost wish the Patriots would take a Saintsian approach, if you will, uh, and get the ball into Ramondre's hands 10 times and see if you can make something happen because maybe, just maybe, with some of the reinforcements that have come off the injured reserve, I believe it's Cody Davis, Trey Flowers, and Riley Reef returning to practice. Jack Jones and Championship. Jack Jones. Fire up your duck boats. Jack Jones and Taquan Thornton. Wherefore art thou? 
enough with your inner, in, you know, Instagram stories. To, uh, look yeah. at my gloves. Look at my shoes. When are you coming back? ASAP. What does that mean? As soon as I can. Is that this week? I don't know, bro. So now we're left to, we're left to wonder who will lead the charge on offense. And can the recently reacquired JC Jackson fill in adequately in their blanket coverage of the dynamic and deadly Chris Olave, their leading receiver who through four games uh, only has 306 yards receiving on the season. This is a fun little one right here. As far as the uh, new Orleans rushing attack goes, Andy, who's their leading rusher? Uh, I don't know. Derek. Carr. Ready for uh, no, uh, uh, it's a quarterback. Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill. Now remember, Kamara 101 yards. So that, that, um, yeah, I know, but Jamal Williams, who they signed in the offseason away from Detroit, he's been banged up. He's only played two games. Uh, you got the uh, the legend of Tony Jones, Kendra Miller. So they don't have much of a rushing attack. I mean, I this like is Light. sort of, is this a little bit of a, is this another one of those Spider-Man meme games? Is this another Absolutely. cruel mirror game? Like, you kind of suck. You kind of suck on offense. No, you kind of suck on offense. Hey, you're kind of good on defense. Hey, you're kind of good on defense. Hey, Weren't you a team? Yeah, did you know these? Are, I don't know why you're down on this matchup. This is a marquee matchup. Since 2006, no one has won more football games in the National Football League than the New England Patriots. Since 2006, the fourth most wins in the National Football League. The New Orleans Saints, two top five teams from the last 20 years, matching up Sunday afternoon, 1 o'clock, Gillette Stadium. We'll sell you your whole seat, but you'll only need the edge. Uh, sounds like someone is suffering from an extreme case of living in the past itis. Glory days. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Uh, looking just at the here and now, Pats oh, can't wait, get their also passing. Both had Hall of Fame quarterbacks who used to be really fun to watch who would throw for like 4,500 yards and make lots of plays and be really good. And, and finish their careers in the yeah. NFC South. Yeah, that that's yeah. true. Super Bowl that's winners, true. Hall of Famers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. I did a uh, phone hit with, uh, speaking of former Saints quarterbacks, Bobby Bear this week. Um, Bobby a bear where's he where's he now he's on the radio somewhere somewhere a bear um sure. he um he was an interesting guy to chat to i don't know if he was drunk or had cte but it was interesting yeah he sounds like the kind of guy or he just may be like he just may be like naturally cajun wild he could have been that it definitely there yeah. was a little bit of the coach from uh water boy right oh yeah yeah again <laughs> and i'm like what yeah i'll just choose go, tig go tigers what he's here what did he say <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah, no, I, he's he's a, he's a little bit of a wild card. What did he have to say about the state of the Saints? Because obviously, anyone and everyone that we could talk to uh, regarding the Patriots has the same thing to offer. It's even almost kind of hard to find people in the diehard Foxborough faithful right now that'll tell you the season's going to turn around. Don't you worry about it. Like my time on EEI this week, I'm sure yours has been the same as well. A lot of people were not at, you know, like, people with angry fists raised in town square, you know, demanding Belichick and Mac Jones be brought to the guillotine or at least locked in the stocks, but it's getting close. It's really getting close. Like I was watching a video beforehand of Julian Edelman on the Ryan Rosillo podcast from the ringer podcast network. And Edelman was, and he's no admitted fan of Mac Jones or so it seems, but he was reading Mac Jones, the riot act. Like doesn't matter how bad your offensive line play is. Doesn't matter who your receivers are. You can't make excuses. And you can't be making high school level throws across your body, across the field, pressing, trying to do more when less only seems the available option. I, I So that leads me to ask this. What kind of Mac Jones do you think we're going to see Sunday? Conservative. 
And and you can win this game conservatively. I talked about it with our buddy Mike Cadlick when we recorded the Cadlick's Crucial Clashes elsewhere on the Six Rings. <laughs> easy, easy. Uh, check it out. That's what, that's... I know, it's the alliteration. Um, but this is a game where you can punt. You can go three and out four times in a row and still be in the game. And and I think I, I'm Matt predicting right now. I'm calling it right now. Book it, everybody. Sunday on the Six Rings postgame show. High atop Andy Hart's thumbs up, thumbs down for the game. Bryce Barringer. Absolutely. He should be. Even though he's not very high atop the net or gross ratings uh, rankings in the National Football League, he's actually down near the bottom of the league when you rank punters based on their yardage. Um, he sort of has done his job, and he'll be asked to do his job again. But I think, Mac, coming off a game where everybody said it was either uncharacteristic decisions or he tried to do too much or he didn't play within himself, didn't play within the offense, however you wanted to word it, mm -hmm. he – made poor decisions, poor throws, late, off-platform, everything that he's not supposed to be as a quarterback. He is going to rein it in. He's going to be conservative, Mac, and I think you will see some good and some bad from that, but I'd, he can't turn the ball over. He just can't. Like That's the story of this game, and I think, therefore, you will see a really um, conservative, slow-starting, but that's fine because I think unless the defense falls apart with – whatever they're going to do for Judon and whatever they're going to have in the back end, mm -hmm. you're going to have a chance to win this game in the third and fourth quarter. Just make sure you don't lose it once again in the first and second quarter, the way they've done this season against the Eagles, against the Cowboys with mistakes and turnovers and holes. So Mac said it a lot yesterday, terrible press conference, by the way, like what a waste of my time listening to that man speak. Um, and some podcasters are like, yeah, that's how I feel about you. Well, then don't download the podcast. If you don't want to listen to me, go screw yourself. Anyway, if you like listening to objective, Jeez. Patriots talk, I, well, is, can, is my, can I go from Nick Stevens to collateral damage? Can I just change my name now? <laughs> well, I'm just saying, who, who are you, Andy, to say a guy wasted your time talking? Well, Mac, I don't believe Mac said a genuine word yesterday in his press conference for 10 minutes 12 minutes whatever the hell it was it was just repetitive annoying and it's fine I understand he's kind of it's performatory like he's got to get up there and say I'm just focused on this week and I gotta stay within the play and each play oh, it's has its perfunctory own bullshit don't get me wrong it, it is, is it is absolutely like I'm it's like I'd be happier if Matt just came out and toyed with us had fun with the fans with the media and the like and was just like guys honestly I'm just here so I don't get fined absolutely and, Dude, and be honest say it. I, I, we'd all laugh and just be like that's cool hey or at least it would be honest and like i remember that game long time ago tom brady walked off post game and said mom told me if i didn't have anything nice to say to not say anything at all and he left the post game podium and that was like that was his message from the game mm -hmm. um which again i don't necessarily praise that either because i do think part of the job is taking the heat standing up there and but brady took the heat for the better part of 20 years well there wasn't a lot of heat as he would say there weren't a lot of lean times as he as, as coach belichick on oh, things weren't exactly thin around here uh, they're, they're thin now very very thin they are, the they, thin. are they are they are refugee emaciated right the, now the line between you and winning and the you and keeping your job is very thin um but to circle back to mac if you're not criticizing mac this week then you have no credibility because that was a hideous performance last week. That Correct. was the bottom of the barrel. And I, I admit that. The bottom of his barrel in the NFL, that was it. Mm -hmm. I don't think you'll see that again. I don't think you'll see a lot of that. The question is, what do you see? Is he is he rising? Is the barrel filling up? Or is the bunghole uncorked and it's just pouring out the side and the everything's falling apart? Because 
you need to win this game. I don't know what we we've done. Must win, gotta win. He can't lose to the Jets. One and all four these things, is. But... I don't care. You are. That's it. Yeah. Goodbye. See you. That's it. That's all, that's all, folks. No, no, gimme win out in Vegas. Even whether it's Jimmy GQB or Aiden O'Connell, we know Belichick's record against former assistant coaches. No matter uh, what the mistakes, what the stakes, etc. You come home for Buffalo, then you have to go to Miami. Like. You don't get this game right and win this and then go on the road with a little confidence uh, and a little, a little giddy up in your step next week in Vegas. You don't go to Buff. You don't come home for Buffalo at three and three. You could easily be looking at just after Halloween. You could be looking at two and six. How's that? How's that? How's that, how's that feel? How's that smell? Yeah, it'll smell like Celtic season. Is what <laughs> Seriously, like in New England. everyone <laughs> jokes. There's plenty of replies on the X tweet machine. Like, yeah, when Celtic season start, Bruins drop the puck next week. A lot of that, a lot of that humor, a lot of those replies, you know, people say, I'm just joking. But like that awkward humor comes from a place. It comes from a place of like disgust or discomfort, dissatisfaction. A lot of DIS words. Pats fans are unhappy now. Like I'm going to try to get to the stadium Sunday a little extra early just so I can maybe grab a little audio to share on the station and for us with the post game show, just talking to like, tell me, how do you really feel? Like I want unfiltered true responses from Pats fans. How do you really feel? Yes. I know nobody had it better for 20 years to borrow it from the Harbaugh brothers. Like who had it better? Nobody. However, you're now in the fourth year of life after Brady. And can you point to show me on the doll where this is all improving? What did we have to really look forward to? I think a lot of Pats fans would rather they just like pull the Band-Aid and just like, you know what? Give me Bourne and Douglas and Thornton and Booty, and I don't need to see Juju or Parker or anyone else who looks like they're running in mud the rest of the season. Like, just sling it. Have fun with it. And you know what you're going to see Sunday? Like, you, what you're end up going to end up seeing is a team that's afraid to lose that's going to play ultra-conservative, I bet you Mac has an over 70% completion percentage on Sunday because all of his passes are going to be two to 13 yards tops. Now, my fear is that the saints are going to realize, okay, we, we don't have much of an offense, but they are going to jump all over this. And if you got, if you got any guys like Lattimore who sniffs something out or the honey badger jumps a route because they've just done what Dallas did last week. I mean, Deron bland, when he had two interceptions, Andy, he said, we watched the tape. It wasn't yep. that hard to defend them. Yep. And you you didn't get what I was hoping to get this week. It's funny because you mentioned it earlier, the lists, guys, and ooh, Riley Reef and Cody Davis are practicing. Um, I don't give a rat's ass. I wanted to hear Jack Jones and Tyquan Thornton are practicing. Not that mm-hmm. not that either is, you know, the second coming of Deion Sanders or freaking Michael Haynes or anything, but Jack Jones, they both, first of all, as you noted, insinuated that they would be practicing this week and get starting the clock on their return. But right. more importantly, as you just said, do I feel great about Tyquan Thornton? No, but maybe he can be a spark. Maybe he can make one play down the field that feels like it ignites something or opens up Hunter Henry over the middle or gives Ramondre Stevenson a little. You never know where that little little spark is going to be that can make right. things better. And right. somebody just breaks free and all of a sudden goes for 37 yards and the offense starts picking up momentum and Trent Brown is flexing on the pile and the crowd is actually yeah. excited and awake and they're basking in the autumn they sunshine. Need they need they something desperately somewhere somehow. And, you know, maybe Demario Douglas could be that guy. Um, our guy Terp, our tremendous producer mentioned as we were coming in, like 
you're a team where one of your best plays all year, maybe your best play all year is a 58 yard touchdown by your third blocking tight end. Like, like you need some fun plays, some take, you know, just break the seal and, and maybe some good momentum can start. So that's the one I would circle. Maybe Demario Douglas gets Mm -hmm. a shot. He has shown a little spark pretty much every time he's been on the field, he's shown some sort of little spark. And yet he got 24% of the offensive snaps last week. Yeah. And he still, cause you haven't quite turned the page toward, I just let all the young guys play and play for the future and all that. But I also don't know why you haven't consecutive weeks. Devontae Parker was like 75 and 80% play time. And Juju the first week was like 75%. You're not getting anything out of it. You're, you're getting nothing out of those veteran guys that you've decided are supposed to be your top two or three receivers with Kendrick Bourne. At some point, you got to find something somewhere. And that's, and again, I don't know if this is the week because they may not feel the need to find something somewhere this week. It may be, let's just take a breath. Let's just get mm-hmm. back to the basics and let's just score. 18 points and that'll be enough to win this game or whatever that may be, but it may not be enough to entertain me and it may not be enough to make me feel better about the team win, lose or draw on Sunday. Correct. Uh, I, I, I think the world is in on this being a low scoring affair. Take the If you want to, if you want to try to flex on them, wait till next week till you go out to Vegas, baby, make that your little revenge game against the Raiders against Josh little homecoming game with Jimmy GQB. This you week, you just Raiders have to stay, are ridiculously stay, expensive. Stay within yourself. Raiders games are expensive. Yeah, which I yeah I, I was there. I was there last. Don't forget, I was there last year on my wife's birthday for the Chandler Jones, and uh, that's a whole jeez, what a mess that became. But yeah, we don't um, that. yeah, it was bad. Um, that game was a disaster. Yeah. Oh, you mean it was? Uh, you mean where I had to uh, $17 for a Modelo. Yeah. It's a little expensive out there. Well, no, but I was talking like the tickets. I was listening to a random cross promotion brag, whatever you want to call it. I was listening to Eddie house last night when I was at TV at NBC sports, Boston, and he went to Raiders steel. He went to a game and he was talking about how the prices were obnoxious, like 2,100 bucks for seats. Like the cheapest get in was like 600 and change. Um, Cause it's a beautiful what? stadium. You get a hell of a hat. Like you get a hell of a halftime show. I think it's a low lane. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful place to take in a game. Uh, and Jeez. obviously the, uh, they're like the Fenway. What would you rather do? You want to walk to, do you want to walk to Mick Morgan's on route one or Rodham Ford? Or do you want to walk to like the Luxor or MGM grand or Aria? The, or, you know, like no, no, the big, uh, the, the sphere. sphere. I need oh, to yeah. see that thing. That is the one thing I need to go back to Vegas to see. I need I'm to see a thousand thing. percent planning a trip around whenever I see when I, whenever there's a band I'm reasonably interested. I'm dropping coin on that because I got to go see a show there. Those highlights from that U2 show alone. Yeah. Sick. Speaking of sick, we're sick people. And each and every week we try to tell you how you can wager and hopefully win your money on the Patriots bet of the week sponsored by, of course, our friends at FanDuel. So time now for the FanDuel Sportsbook. Six rings and football things. Bet O the week. FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. Join right now. FanDuel.com slash six rings and take advantage of their tremendous, tremendous promotions. Heart, we are more up than down, more plus than minus, more positive than negative, at least with our wagers on the season. You got the Saints coming to town. Saints, a one-point favorite with an under over of 40 points on the game. Sir, your wagers for the people. Uh, well, I'm looking to move to five and zero in my Patriots picks on the season, and uh, 
I don't feel great about this game. This is the least um, faith I've had in my own picks through a month plus here of the Patriots season, uh, because I think this team is teetering. I think there's some questions motivationally, talent wise. How do they adjust to Judon and Gonzalez being out? Um, Kind of have a big injury report elsewhere. Does Riley Reef get back? Is that even an upgrade over Vidarian Lowe? Does it help? Does it hurt? How could it not be at this point? I don't know, because I've watched right tackle for the last 18 months, and it's been an absolute poop show, pretty much everybody they put out there. Um, remember Calvin Anderson? He was good. No, he wasn't. Verdarian no, Lucas? No, he wasn't. No, Where's wasn't. Connor McDermott? He was no, in relation late last Connor year. Connor McUnemployed right now. Um, so I'm going to go with the home team. You give me That's- a point against a, a, an equally questionable football team that is kind of having trouble getting out of its own way, kind of having trouble utilizing its weapon. On paper, the Saints are the pick like the fantasy football team. Wait, you have Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, Alvin Kamara. Oh, Derek Carr is not that bad. He puts up numbers. He can put up stats. Like, But he's banged up. They're not playing well. People are questioning their scheme and their offense and the whole thing. Pete so Carmichael is a come under fire. Their play caller. The, oh, he's going to be local place guy. right now. Local guy. He's coming yep. home. Uh, that's another comparison. Two freaking local Massachusetts play caller, offensive coordinator guys who are coming under fire for not doing their job and getting the job done. And um, Billy O'Brien might be like, so about me and those rumors at Michigan State. Tell me yeah, more. How much are they paying? I, I'd be, I can clean up messes. Uh, for the right price, I can clean up messes. Oh. I showed you that at Penn State. Um, <laughs> Patriots are a mess. Saints are a mess. Give me the home mess. Give me the point. This, I mean, this could be a one or a two-point game. This could be a final possession play, Hail Mary, whatever game. I'm going to say they play conservative, and I'm going to say if the Patriots don't turn it over, which they're not going to do, they win the football game by that much, that much. I'm with you a thousand percent. I'll keep it quick, tidy, clean, efficient. I'm going to go SGP, little same game parlay action. Give me the New England Patriots on the money line at minus 108 and under 40 points on the game. I a thousand percent can see a 2016, 1916, like somewhere in the thir- uh, mid to upper 30s, but I'm pretty comfortable that this is going to be another like you said long drawn out affair where the foxborough faithful and all the pats people are just waiting for that one big pass play the one screen to ramondre or the the bubble screen to pop douglas that breaks off for 35 40 yards just to feel alive again just to feel a little juice and that may be just enough against a dinged up Derek carr uh, and a new orleans saints team that doesn't have their offense and gear as well but doesn't give up a ton of big plays especially and or at least not to a team that's a little offensively challenged themselves. So I'll go Patriots and under on the day. So I'll go Patriots. Give me 20 to 13, by the way. I do think the Patriots get to 20. That may be wishful thinking, hopeful thinking. And then my prop of the week, Mm -hmm. I think both of these offenses are trying to figure out who they are. Um, I think they're trying to be really careful. And the Patriots defense is a question mark. What are they going to do without their top two players? Who's on the field? How do they adjust? So, my prop would be first drive punt. That's anybody, whoever has possession, the first drive will end in a punt because I think both these quarterbacks are being beaten in their heads. Don't F up. Don't lose the game. Just punt. So I took the SGP of Patriots and the under, and you took the FDP of first drive punt. Yep. Ah, oh, go Pats has truly become well Pats. Where are we? Tom, the Tom Woe Pats, everybody. And we are a couple of Dukes of Hazard. Well, uh, there are predictions. There's our preview. There's our bets of the week. Thank you once again, FanDuel, for bringing this to the masses. 
And now in the back half of this podcast, don't forget, once again, tune in tomorrow. We'll speak with Nick Underhill of New Orleans.football and hear what the New Orleans people, what the Saints is saying about the state of affairs with the Patriots, Bill Belichick, Mac Jones, and more, as well as what's going on down there. How dinged up is Derek Carr and what iteration of the Saints offense can we look forward to seeing on Sunday? But for now, Andy had a chance to catch up with our pal Andrew Callahan from the Boston Herald this week down at Gillette Stadium. A good chat. Uh, a hearty dialogue and an honest discourse and discussion as to what the hell is going on with the Patriots right now. So enjoy this chat. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Thank you, Fandle. Good job, Terp. Good job, Hart. Okay job by me. Thanks very much for listening, everybody. Until the next time, brought to you by WEI Odyssey and 2400 Sports. It's the Six Rings and Football Things podcast. Go Pats, and here's Callahan. Back here for another edition of Six Rings and Football. Hi, Bruins fans looking for more coverage of your favorite hockey team? Follow the Skate Pod hosted by Scott McLaughlin, Brian DeFelice, and me, Bridget Prue. Get your Bruins coverage from WEI's team of Bruins writers. We're the people who are at the games and talk to the players every week. For analysis of every Bruins game and exclusive interviews with the players, listen to the Skate Pod on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All things Gillette Stadium style with our weekly chat with one of the Patriots beat writers. This week, it's the big boy on the beat, the uh, PFWA, Presidente, El Presidente. We have Andrew Callahan from the Boston Herald. Andrew's been a guest before. I know we've talked in the offseason in the past. So figured I'd go to you, Andrew, because it uh, feels like a big week when people are calling for Bill Belichick to be fired and Mac Jones to no longer be the quarterback of the Patriots. Um, very open-ended question. Where do you stand on those two storylines? <laughs> uh, first of all, I like to pivot back from big boy to El Presidente. That was a nice save by you. Uh, and it's, it is a big week. I'll put it this way. Because the way I saw the Dolphins game and then the Jets and the Cowboys, was those were the biggest possible games you could have in weeks two, three, and four. This is true of the Saints game. But I think even in week five, it's bigger than week five. Because you go to one and four you're kind of going through the motions. And at that point, you're risking losing buy-in. I think Mac Jones right now, we can't have a bigger picture conversation because of something that happened on Sunday. Like That game was the, probably the worst of his career. I don't think that changes the fact whether he was the guy or not. Like To me, there's little evidence to suggest that he is. But what are their better options? You cut your backup quarterback. So like you're just kind of stuck, whether it's with injuries, whether it's with Mac or the roster that Bill built. And it's unfortunate, but you, you just have to win Sunday and then move, move from there. So am I wrong in that within the first month, I believe we've seen the best and the worst of Mac Jones. I thought in the second quarter against the Eagles, those two touchdown drives, I think it was like 11 straight completions. I thought he looked as productive and comfortable in this offense as he has at maybe any point in his career. And then I fast forward three weeks later in the second quarter in Dallas. Uh, the term I keep using is melted down. I thought he melted down, had some sort of out-of-body experience. Bill uh, O'Brien said uncharacteristic. What the hell happened? What the hell's the difference between those two weeks? So it's his play under pressure. I mean, I, I was writing going into the Dallas game, hey, there's this one real big jump Mac has made when you look at all of the different categories, some of the deeper metrics, the basic stuff. He's largely the same guy, except when he has a rusher in his face. And because he was able to play through pressure in a way he never did in 2022, he's the worst quarterback in the league under pressure against the Eagles, Dolphins, and then the Jets, they either got back into those games because of him and playing against that pressure uh, and came up just short, or they held on and beat the Jets and scored their only touchdown, but because the play before Farrell Brown's rumbling 58 yards, Mack delivers this sideline throw to Mario Douglas and gets crushed by Quinn and Williams. He wasn't doing that a year ago. 
He obviously didn't do it Sunday. What happened to me was, and we just heard from him at the podium, he got sped up and felt like he needed to force things because the pressure was getting to him. He allowed it to get to him, and everything changed after the strip sack. And from then on, the next four drives were all killed because he couldn't handle pressure. Two pass breakups, one thrown into the teeth of a Cowboy safety on the sideline before halftime. We're like, just throw it on the ground. The ground's right here. Uh, another pass break, I'm going to drag throw to Devontae Parker, an interception, and they go three and out. So it, it's, that's what happened, is the pressure built up, not within the game, but I think over the first three and a half weeks, and he just couldn't take it anymore. So I always like to let people know my biases. Uh, I'm a Bill O'Brien guy. I like Bill O'Brien. I think he's a really competent, experienced, successful offensive coordinator. He's starting to take some some blows. There's some criticism coming his way. Uh, my defense of that would be, I think, certainly in the Dallas game, uh, your best player averages two yards a carry, your quarterback uh, melted down, your offensive line stunk, and your receivers are, other than Hunter Henry, non-existent. They don't look professional. I think it's hard to be an offensive coordinator and call plays when you say all those things. But where does Bill O'Brien factor into either the struggles now or where you think the turnaround might come from? So I think, like we saw from Mac Jones, the Dallas game was his worst game that we've seen yet. And you look at specifically how the players are being utilized. Let's take, for example, Mike Kosicki. When he signed, we're all writing the same thing. This is a big slot receiver that we call a tight end, but that's really it. He's, he's a tight end in name only. He's been run blocking at a higher rate, and including in the Dallas game, through four weeks than he ever did in Miami. I don't know why. And when you look at the tape of that Dallas game, he's sometimes serving as a lead blocker. Okay, another tight end that's out there. Farrell Brown, 22 offensive snaps for your third string tight end. Demario Douglas, your best receiver against man coverage, had 18. And when you look at Demario Douglas against man coverage, he had the 42-yard catch, beat his man, great. The other Patriots receivers had three catches versus man-to-man. That speaks partly to scheme, obviously their lack of talent, but when you look at the players that Bill O'Brien has to use in the offensive line, like it is what it is. He's been scheming around this since August. It's it's still not good enough because 30th in the league in EPA or 31st in the league in scoring speaks to a failure on every single person's part, whether you're on the sideline or on the field. I know you've been big on the um, and and the the beat as a core fans as a core this uh, latching on to when Bill Belichick says the opposing quarterback can make all the throws. <laughs> so I want to flip that the other way. Uh, Rex Ryan was back doing his pea shooter thing on ESPN. Second time in I believe four weeks now I've listened to a national analyst because Nate Burleson went down the same road. I believe at halftime one of the games said, you know, Mac, just throw it in the middle of the field. You can't throw outside the numbers. That's not your throw. Don't do it. Is there a certain aspect of Mac's physical play, which we talked about pre-draft? I mean, if you remember pre-draft, there was like, is he a third-round talent? Is he a first-round pick? Then he was the third overall pick, and then he was back to the 15th pick, that whole thing. But there were questions about his physical ability, and can he make the throws? Are we back talking about that? Because I know against Dallas, there were bad decisions. There were bad mechanics, you know, throwing off the back foot, fading away across the field, different things. Do you believe, as a good thing, Mac Jones can make all the throws. Uh, I do not, uh, because in it's you know we don't even have to go for the geography of the field. Can you throw outside the numbers? Are you strictly over the middle of the field? Because anyone who would be you know the biggest Mac stand would pull up clips of like deep balls and throws. Oh, it's outside the numbers. It's over twenty yards downfield. The issue is with the drive throws. Like I need to thread this fifteen to twenty yard out or deep crosser to the opposite hash like that's where you see the lack of drive zip power behind the ball hurt him and ultimately i look at this as okay you need to either have otherworldly arm talent 
or the ability to get outside the pocket and create plays on your own. Like you cannot be a pocket bound point guard, which he is. He's described himself as that with less arm talent because then you can't elevate the offense in a way when it's third down, everyone's covered. You thread the ball in there anyway, arm talent, or you get outside the pocket and throw buying your receivers more time. He doesn't have either one of those. So there's a hard ceiling on him, which we knew before the draft. You need to be well protected, which the Patriots know and have failed to do. And you need to have elite weapons. He obviously doesn't have either. So, yeah, he bombed. He was the reason they lost Sunday. But the larger roster construction is really giving him, knowing his limitations, no opportunity to succeed in a way where you go, okay, we can win with him. Quarterbacks are sexy. Offenses sell. We know that the story of the game for the Patriots may have been the fact that the defense lost its two best players. Maybe your two probably your two best players on the roster yep. of any position. Matthew Judon, Christian Gonzalez. We had word of the trade for J.C. Jackson, which I think we all saw coming when he was a healthy scratch a couple weeks ago. Maybe not this quickly, but it made sense. Okay, made his money elsewhere, comes back. But where does this defense go from here? Because they were playing well. They were obviously the stronger unit. They were keeping them in games, getting Mac the ball back, whether he could make use of it or not, those types of things. But Matthew Judon has been sort of the lone constant on that defense. He's been good since the day he arrived here. To lose that, to lose his energy, his emotion, and then lose your best cover corner, your rookie standout, does this is this actually a bigger issue that we're not talking about because we're so fixated on Belichick, the roster on offense, and Mac? Yeah, I think so, and it speaks to a larger conversation that's more glaringly obvious on offense, uh, the lack of, let's call them, blue-chip players. On defense, who are your blue-chip players? It's Matt Judon, and now probably, as much as you can tell through three and a quarter games, Christian Gonzalez. Those guys are off the, the board now. Like You're working with a group that is certainly not top five talented defensively, maybe not even top ten, and Belichick can make more with less, obviously, on defense. But how much more chicken salad can you make? Because I look at J.C. Jackson as a guy who we all remember, pro bowler, 8, 9, 12, 15, whatever it was, interceptions that season. Uh, he had a lot of them. But... He was speaking to NFL media last week, not only just vented about getting benched in week three, he's saying, I'm not 100%. And maybe that's a guy who, yeah, tore his uh, uh, patellar tendon last year, missed the season, ankle injury earlier this year, he's playing catch-up, or it's an excuse. But either way, this is a player that you can't just say, he'll fill in for Christian Gonzalez. Because you get 70% of Christian Gonzalez and what he was doing. Like, you're still one and three. You're walking a tightrope. And your best player on the team and on this defense is also gone. So I don't see him as some sort of band-aid immediately. And if it is, I don't think it'll be in the first few weeks that he's here. He's still getting back into playing shape. And it's it's devastating for, again, a team that had to play not perfect, but close to it. No turnovers in offense. No explosive plays on defense. And right now you're one and three because Randall Cobb didn't catch a Hail Mary. And that's it. That's the tightrope. So a lot of people, I think, expected one and three. I think that was a popular record, some two and twos. I mean, obviously it ran the gamut. It doesn't feel, even if you expected one and three, I'm not sure it feels like you thought it would feel after one and three, after watching the worst loss of Bill Belichick's career. And we're at the quarter, well, kind of the quarter point. They screwed it up by making 17 games. We're four games into the season. It's a, it's a common time to kind of, okay, self-scout, figure out what's going on with the team as a media analyst are you reassessing what you thought this team could be where did you have them coming into the year where do you see this season going is there a chance it spirals out of control for the negative like where are you assessing this team as we hit October uh yes yes and yes I mean I I, I was a someone who said I think they can make the playoffs I picked them to go nine and eight and came down from ten and seven after watching some things in the preseason but just said Bill O'Brien's going to tighten things up on offense you can win more games just by doing fewer stupid things 
and they haven't done that yet. And the other part about this was I thought they would be two and two. So one and three, you look across the league, not everything is made equal. I mentioned the Hail Mary. Like that was a game they very well could have lost, should never have lost. You just got blown out by 35, something we've never seen in the Bill Belichick era. And as we just touched upon, lost your two best players on the entire roster, or at the very least, your defense, as your quarterback regresses to a player that we saw in 2022. Maybe Mac Jones has bounced back. I don't know. But there's no saving grace coming. Like we saw it on the sweatshirts that Joe Judge handed down the locker room last week, a week too early, saying it's on us, no one else is coming. A little weird to me after a win. But right now, those sweatshirts fit exactly who they are. Because you get the Saints, you get the Raiders, and then it's Buffalo and Miami. And so I would call this a two-week season. If you don't season these opportunities and at least get to two and four, it's it's a lost year. That's where we are because the season only gets harder from here due to lack of roster talent you lost due to injury and the opponents, which there was no saving grace. There was a saving grace in 2021. You had an easy schedule when you started one and three and then two and four. That 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 help is just not coming, whether they're on another team or on, on your roster right now. So I want to touch on that lost year possibility, but I want to flip the script because I think it's easy to be negative right now. Yeah. It was a hellaciously bad game. Max sucks. The team sucks. They're losing yeah. best players. No, I, I just think that's an easy narrative to sell. Let's flip that script. If I were to believe, yeah, they're going to go on a little run here of two or three wins and get back to survival, get back to swimming and keeping their head above water, what are those reasons going to be? How are they going to beat the Saints, the Raiders, and, and just stay afloat till they get to the middle of the season? It will be uh, through fixing some of the things I mentioned as far as Bill O'Brien goes. Like, stop asking Mike Kosicki to block on almost 35% of his snaps. That's not what he does. He's the worst run-blocking tight end in the league. Play more of Demario Douglas. Like, there's some low-hanging fruit here that they're just not reaching for as they search for their own identity and work out some pinks. Like, Pop Douglas has not been perfect, but when you have your most explosive player in offense as a six-round rookie and you sign up for that, as Belichick has, you need to stomach the growing pains. You just got to live with it. So I think if you play him a little bit more, I think if you look at the Jets tape and go, that defense was as good as we're going to see against the Saints and it's way better than what they'll face in Vegas next week, play that game. No turnovers on offense. Get a faster start. Screw up less defensively and just play patient. Like, that's it. Just suck less. That's that's it. And it sounds so trite and obvious and honestly dismissive. But that's your formula right now when you look at this roster because Douglas is your only explosive player. We've said it now three times. You lost Judon and Gonzalez. Like, that's the formula, man. And you just need to survive two weeks because if you get to three and three, they might come out with some receipts. And that's great. Good for you. You seem to have turned your season around. Uh, Buffalo's now the best team in the NFL. And after them, Miami, who scored 70 two weeks ago. And we all know how the Patriots fare in Miami. So you play ugly, you play clean-ish, and just stop doing the stuff that Mac was in Dallas. And I think you can turn it around. It's very possible. Okay, so I, I agree with you on Buffalo. Uh, as I tweeted the other day, I'm seeing less of those. The window is closed for the Bills, and you know they missed their chance. They certainly look like they still have a chance um, talent-wise. Miami obviously has shown that they can beat anybody and put a lot of points on the board and maybe are settling into whatever the Mike McDaniel era is going to be down there. So you're looking uphill, not at Super Bowls, not at Patrick Mahomes. Like Those aren't even in the, the, the radar at this point. It's, are we good enough to compete in the division? And so you, you brought up the idea of a lost season. It could go down that road. It's, it's easy to lose in the NFL. It's easy to snowball negative. We start having really big picture questions. Obviously, we started with it, Mac, but really it's a Belichick question. And I think it's a fair question to have. I know Boomer came on our station a couple weeks ago and was like, ah, anyone who talks about Belichick being on the hot seat is an idiot. I think the more idiotic thing is saying that he wouldn't be on the hot seat, that he has a job for life, that what he did five years ago earns him the right to do something next year. But 
How do you think Robert Kraft, who is one of the only people that matters, Jonathan's involved in that conversation, how do you think Robert Kraft is feeling these days when he looks at, I think it was 23 million people watch his team get embarrassed on national TV in that afternoon late marquee spot uh, in Dallas in front of Jerry Jones, his frenemy or whatever exactly they are in terms of owner competitors. What's Robert Kraft thinking this week as we you talked about it? Could be one of the more critical weeks of not only this season, but of recent memory. Where's Robert Kraft's mind right now? It's a great question. I think the point about losing to Jerry Jones in Jerry Jones' stadium is a good one because that's some of the stuff that factors in for ownership that fans and media generally aren't talking about but matters to him. What's your frame of mind going into that game and especially coming out of it because, of course, the Patriots underwhelmed. They bombed. And so I think Kraft watched something like the rest of us did, that had never happened before in the Bill Belichick era. And it's true. It's week four. It's true. The Patriots could, as I just said, win two games and move on to three and three. And I'm out. I want to make something very clear because I understand, like you were saying, it's easy to be negative. And it is. That's what we've seen. No one that I speak to, no self-respecting member of this media corps, wants them to lose or takes this in any way personally. Like generally, our lives are more pleasant when the Patriots win and the players are more open. Belichick, eh. But you know what? Like that's how it is. We're not rooting for this. So when I bring up the possibility of Robert Kraft firing Bill Belichick, it's not at any sort of like vendetta against Belichick. I look at his record. As Robert Kraft knows, since Tom Brady left, it's 26 and 29. Whatever that winning percentage is, is it's below 50. And when you don't have playoff wins, perhaps going on five straight years, I don't know how many coaches with that winning percentage and that lack of playoff success can survive. And especially when you are also in charge of the roster. Because when things are going great and you're winning Super Bowls and you're squeezing all this value out of just team-friendly deals, you get all the credit. Bill built the roster. He coached the team. He won the games. Good for you. When you're losing... And the roster talent from anyone I've talked to across the league says this is average. That's why they're losing. And you're making coaching mistakes, you know, falling behind game plans in games where they've allowed 10 points in every single game to their opponents on their first two drives. Like your defense just gives up a touchdown field goal to everyone except for the Jets, and that's it. That's a failure of coaching. All the offensive stuff we talked about, you're to blame. And that's why I think if they finish worse than 7-10, and 10, I-, I would not be surprised whatsoever that this is Bills last year. Uh, I agree. I think it's on the table. Uh, you bring up record. The record he has and is ha- continuing to have is worse than what got Pete Carroll fired as that Super Bowl roster petered out in the late 90s. So Robert Kraft has been down this road and made a tough decision before. Obviously, this is different given Bill Belichick's contributions to the stadium we sit in and everything that goes into New England football. So they're one in three for the third straight year. First two of those years, they at least were in the conversation of the postseason or sort of righted the ship enough to be a legitimate team for most of the year. They take on the Saints, another team that's kind of a questionable team right now. Where's their season going to go? Um, I don't know if you want to do a score, need to do a score, but what are you expecting on Sunday? Do the Patriots at least show up and compete and we're talking about a football game or are we taking weird steps down the lost season? This is a Spider-Man meme game. <laughs> you have two offenses struggle to score points. Very sound, well-coached defenses. I think it's going to be an ugly game. And I think the Patriots win 13-12. to 12. But I, I don't feel any way kind of confident about this. This is the same commentary I had going up to the Jets game. Take the under, drink an extra beer or so before kickoff. Like, just hang in. Because, again, I just said that's the formula the next two weeks is drag these games into the mud. Keep yourself a little bit cleaner than your opponent. Because Derek Carr, especially with a sprained AC joint, whatever has going on, shouldn't beat you. But he just might because of the way 
you know, your offense is performing the lack of talent now on defense without Judon and Gonzalez. I just think it, these two teams are so close that there it's hard to see any other outcome than the one we saw against the Jets and got exactly as we thought, 15 to 10 down there and something in the range of a one or two point game because the Patriots are at home and they're they're barely favorites. I think it's one, one and a half right now. So a 13-12 game you're telling me. Yeah, okay, that doesn't sound overly entertaining, doesn't sound fun, but it is what it is and it might be a victory and that may be all they really need right now. He is Andrew Callahan from the Boston Herald. This is Andy Jumbo Hart. This is Six Rings and Football Things reporting from Gillette Stadium with our weekly chat with a beat writer, and hopefully these will be a little bit more upbeat in the coming weeks.